Good evening, and welcome back to the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined, as always, by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Hey, how's it going, everyone? Hopefully, everyone is doing well. Uh, fresh off a extra t- extra time win for the Dukes tonight. Uh, had to play an extra game from the condensed schedule here at the end of the end of the season, and the Dukes managed to hang on down here in Burlington, North Carolina, against the Elon Phoenix which does keep the Dukes out of the cellar of the CAA heading for the tournament this week. Uh, pretty exciting game. Dukes managed not to blow it tonight down the stretch. Made some free throws. Matt Lewis, I think, made eight free throws down the stretch. So that was great to see. We do want to um, say one thing, one little tech issue for everybody out there. Um, first, we missed last week because Rob and I finally took a week off and uh, life got in the way. We needed to take a break. But we are back, as always, and next week we will be switching to a new app. Uh, for those of you that have been longtime listeners, we've been using the Bumpers app on iTunes. It's been great for us. Uh, Bumpers is going away. Uh, it was a free podcast app. I guess you get what you pay for a little bit. But we hope that um, we'll be putting everything out on the blog this week, on Twitter and Facebook as well, letting people know where to go if there's any changes or any, any updates needed for next week, but we think we'll be able to keep the same app if you're signed up in the Apple iTunes store. So that's the first thing. Second thing is, I guess, with the app and as we get ready to move forward, we're glad to let everyone know within the next couple weeks, we'll be spending that money that everybody put into the t-shirt campaign back in December. Thank you, everyone. (laughs) Yeah. So we're looking forward to some uh, upgraded tech over the next couple weeks. As always, tonight, we are brought to you by Pale Fire Brewing Company in Harrisonburg, Virginia. You can go by the tap room there in Harrisonburg and mention the JMU Sports Blog Podcast, and you'll get a free pint glass. So, as always, go down there. As the weather warms up, the Pale Fire patio will be a fantastic place to be in the Berg. So, we encourage everybody to go there. And one quick note for all of our Nova Dukes this week. Uh, we noticed that Pale Fire's errant IPA, which Rob and I talk about quite a bit on here is on tap this week at the Alexandria Lost Dog Cafe location. Yes, right down the street from my house. Uh, yeah. I might be in there on uh, Friday. Yeah, it's one of our all, all-time favorite spots uh, to eat. I think we could probably do a whole podcast on Lost Dog sandwiches. Yes. So, yes. Um, but go by uh, the Alexandria Lost Dog and pick up some errant, uh, Pale Fire Errant IPA this week on tap. So one thing we did want to say before we get to tonight, we are Rob and I are so excited about tonight's episode to be back with you. We'll talk about that in a second. But before we get there, a real quick update. Uh, lacrosse, baseball, and softball all had enormous weekends this week. Uh, softball on track, as usual. Getting some incredible uh, pitching from the new freshman stud. It's been great to see. Uh, the baseball team cleaning house a little bit early in the season. And I had the privilege this weekend to attend the JMU women's lacrosse game down here at High Point. And lacrosse is in one poll up to number two in the nation right now. So this is a team very much worth watching. Um, Getting to see them in person was a lot of fun. If their top six or seven players stay healthy, they're a legit threat, Rob, for the Final Four. That's good. So I didn't didn't put my foot in the mouth with Coach when I asked her that. No, not at all. I was a little worried about that. Yeah, no. And uh, one thing's for sure, the JMUSB podcast coach curse has been broken by the early season success of the lacrosse program yeah yeah so everybody pay attention this week uh, as lacrosse keeps rolling hopefully they play temple later this week so rob and i are really excited tonight we have a guest with us that is i I don't even know what to say he's kind of the the godfather of the caa media he is someone that when rob and i started this in 2009 we didn't realize we were we, we might be tangentially or you know very on the fringes of a quite the CAA fraternity of uh, people who cover the league, who have rooted for certain teams over the years. It, it, you know, we make fun of the crumbling athletic association at times, but the, the camaraderie of the people that cover this league has been really special for us. We've gotten to meet people from around the league. And I think those of you who are really kind of inside CAA people who've been following for a while, or, or along with us for the ride the last eight or nine years, no. Um, and our other CAA writers and bloggers and podcasters know that Brian Mull, from, uh, who co- has covered for many years UNC Wilmington, but he's a writer for down in Wilmington who does a lot of different work, he still covers golf for the Wilmington Star News. And 
this guy, I mean, he was born into the CAA and knows everything about this league from start to finish, basically. And, you know, for, for all of our friends up at Northeastern and Drexel and William and Mary and all over the conference, I think they'll all be excited to hear Brian join us tonight. So without further ado, uh, welcome, Brian, to the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Well, I'm flattered by that introduction, and <laughs> I've certainly always appreciated our uh, interactions through the years and uh, really uh, thrilled to, to talk a little, little CAA hoops and uh, whatever may come up. That's right. So we're going to preview that we wanted to have Brian on this week as we get ready for tourney time. So even with JMU in the nine seed, this is our one of our favorite times of the year on the CAA calendar as we head into both tournaments the next couple of weeks and the men's tournament this coming weekend. Um, Brian, why don't you tell us first, like, how did you get involved with the CAA or, or what's your kind of history with covering Wilmington? Yeah, I... Uh, uh, caddied on the PGA tour. A lot of my background is in golf and I did that for seven years in the, in the nineties and early two thousands. And then, uh, moved to Wilmington in 2002 and uh, had, had some writing in my uh, background and, uh, kind of got on here with the newspaper, started out just, uh, doing the stuff everybody does, grunt work, answering the phones, covering <laughs> some high school stuff, just, uh, writing some features, what, whatever. And, just kind of kept hanging around that they couldn't get rid of me. And then in 2006, uh, Scott Hamilton had covered the UNCW. That was, he was the beat writer. Uh, and they, they had the championship team that year and Scott had had the opportunity to take another job and he had to leave the beat right after the conference tournament. And I was there and available. So they kind of threw me into the <laughs> fire and, uh, it was just a wild turn of events. Of course, Wilmington lost an unbelievable game in overtime to George Washington, but then uh, the kind of the rift between the AD and the coach at the time, Brad Brownell, <laughs> was pretty wide, and uh, Brad left to go coach Wright State a week or so after the tournament game, and so <laughs> now there was a coaching search, and hey, you're covering that too, and one thing kind of led to another, and I ended up getting the job uh, full time. I think I pestered enough people over at UNCW that they realized if nothing else, they didn't know how smart I was, but at least I wasn't afraid of anybody. Over there. So, um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah. And that was kind of it. The Benny Moss and, uh, Buzz Peterson era, certainly not the golden era for UNCW basketball, you know, a program that's won six conference championships, original member. Um, but it was an interesting, uh, you know, time for me. And I think, because some of those years the team was not very competitive, it just, uh, you know, there's two things. You know, the, the people who had covered UNCW here before me had always done a very good job of covering the league as a whole. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was part of my, you know, responsibility to do that. And then when the Seahawks weren't so good and <laughs> you had so many talented players and teams, uh, a couple of Final Four runs in that stretch, of course, and, you know, half a dozen guys who went on to the NBA for, for some period of time and, I just, uh, you know, kind of gravitated toward trying to cover the league as a whole and be someone who, who could do that, uh, you know, reasonably and fairly. And, um, you know, it was, it was a fun ride for, for seven seasons, no question about it, uh, both, uh, you know, at that point in time. And, and still pretty much to this day, you know, the, the UNCW beat writer traveled, so I was able to go, you know, on the road and uh, not only – see uh you know all the teams in person on their home court but meet a lot of the people the other writers and media and coaches and such associated with the league so here i am i left there <laughs> left there a few years ago full-time but it's like i can't get away you know i live literally uh, a mile and a half from trask and um you know i don't go to all the home games at all anymore but it, uh, i've done some radio involved with the league and certainly still write about the league some so uh yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting to watch it kind of morph into what it's become. Nice. Yeah, it's a little different. I mean, it, like you mentioned, kind of the heyday back with the, you know, the ODU and VCU and Mason. Um, they've left, but some of the new additions have have definitely been good. But can we talk about Elon a bit, just to jump off? Like Jamie Absolutely. knocked him off tonight. I think a lot of people. I know I certainly had high expectations for them after last year. I had them picked. You know, most people it seemed like top two or three. Mm -hmm. What the heck happened this year? They've got talent. Um, you know, they've got some good players, and they just fell apart, finished dead last in the league. 
really hard to put a finger on it. I did radio uh, up there Saturday night for their game with Northeastern, and uh, it was the second or third time I had seen them live this year. And, you know, I think Matt Matheny's a terrific coach. I mean, his his teams uh, execute strong, coming out of timeouts. I've been to a couple of his practices. I mean, I, I really think a lot of his ability. And, um, you know, by the end of last year, they were one of the best defensive teams in the CAA, which had kind of been their weakness the year before, you know, as they transitioned into the league. And certainly, as you said, with five starters coming back and, and, and guys who could shoot the ball and a, a pretty solid point guard, you, you felt like, you know, there just wasn't – uh, you know, the ceiling was with the team was going to be pretty high, whether it, it was, you know, a bad season might be fourth place. And, uh, man, just watching them play Saturday, they look like a team just <laughs> unsure, um, disjointed, uh, not uh, taking some just really bad shots. And, you know, was, some of the advanced stats are, are pretty telling. Like last year, they were one of the best teams in the country in transition, um, just with guys that could get out, run the floor, hit some threes. And this year they were one of the worst. And, mm. uh, you know, it's just – it's weird how basically the same group of guys, something that was a strength for you could become a weakness within one season. Um, you never know if there's locker room issues or, yeah. or, or that type of thing. But, uh, yeah, very very much a mystery. I picked them second for Blue Ribbon <laughs> in the <laughs> summer and felt pretty good about it. You know, it was right. kind of a toss-up between – uh, the Phoenix and Towson, and uh, you know they're they're another team that kind of falls in that disappointing category for sure this season. Yeah, they're a tough one to figure out, Towson. It's another team that I think is really well coached, and you know they're always tough. They always rebound well. Um, you know, middle of the year it looked like they were ready to make a run, and they, I mean, I'd, I'd qualify them as a bit of a disappointment. On the other hand, the, the team on the other hand of that that I think really exceeded expectations is William and Mary. You know, I, I didn't think they were going to do anything this year, and. Um, they really don't play a lot of defense or, or any defense, but they can, <laughs> but they can shoot with any team in the country. Um, I mean, they've got some ridiculous shooting numbers this year, and a couple guys. Cone has been fantastic. Um, do you give them any shot to actually finally get into the tournament this year? I do. I don't like their draw. Um, mm. They have to. Uh, they play Towson, who beat them pretty handily twice. I was actually at the game in Williamsburg when uh, Towson just dunked the whole second <laughs> half um, <laughs> and ran them out of their own gym, scored 100 points. Um, but, you know, the old theory, it's tough to beat a team three times. We'll see. But then, uh, you know, if the Tribe were to win that game, then they've got to face Charleston and then probably, you know, either Hofstra or Northeastern most likely. Um, but at the same time, you have to like a team with five guys who can score. You know, that's pretty rare in college basketball, sure. you know, where you can put five guys out there who can go get 15 or 20 points, and then they do have a legitimate post player in Knight who I think is, um, you know, has a very bright future, uh, had a very good year, but certainly, uh, you know, he could develop into somebody that we see at the next level in the next couple of seasons. Yeah, I mean, they, they have a shot. They have a shot because they can score in a league where, uh, you know, offense has been at a premium this year and everybody's been able to, to put the ball in the basket. They do it as well as anyone. Uh, you know, uh, it's not going to be low scoring. It's <laughs> no. not going to be the first no. be the first team to 90. If they can if they can be the first team to 90 three nights in a row, then, uh, yeah, it might be might be a historic moment in Williamsburg. <laughs> yeah, the days of the old CA rock fights seem to be behind us. They're gone. Totally, totally different league. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like an NBA All-Star game some nights. You know, just run and gun. Yeah, it's crazy that William & Mary got swept by Towson and JMU swept Towson, right? <laughs> There's no rhyme or reason right. to it. Like, uh, I'm in this little uh, email group of uh, some guys that y'all know, and yep. we, pick, we we attempt to pick <laughs> the games each day. And uh, Jerry Beach is actually in charge of the kind of running the, the circus. And um, he hasn't released the standings. I think it's because they're so embarrassing. Mm-hmm. They don't want to reveal them, um, you know, and, and those of us who thought we knew a little bit. But it has. it's just been uh, – you know, I was I went through a period in the middle of the season where I was just going straight George Costanza contrarian. Just, <laughs> I'd yeah. pick the games and then send in the other five. Yeah, fade in your own picks. Yeah, yeah. it was it was that bad. Uh, but yeah, I mean, literally until Charleston kind of separated itself and, and Northeastern to a degree down the stretch, right. uh, where where you could bank on them. But yeah, for most of the season, who knew what was going to happen? Yeah. Oh no! It was complete, complete crapshoot for most of the season. For those that don't know, Jerry Beach is uh, defiantly Dutch, so he's our Hofstra connection in this league. 
And uh, I have a feeling we'll be revisiting some of Hofstra's worst moments later tonight. Oh, man. <laughs> he's the best, and he's still bitter about 2006. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, Don't and bring we'll up be... Tony's skin. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, think he, I think he's made peace with most of the George Mason fan base. Point. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't think he's got a, no Laranaga posters on his walls. Absolutely not. <laughs> so, Brian, we talked about some of the disappointments and, and the surprises. Um, we're kind of wondering about the Player of the Year, Coach of the Year awards. You know, I, I guess we're kind of wondering who you think, in your mind, really was the Coach of the Year and the Player of the Year this year. And, and I don't know if maybe that's different than who you think might actually win those two awards. So, yeah. I think Bill Cohen is the coach of the year. Um, it's up in Northeastern, and, right? Yeah. yeah. And and I think he'll win it because of the respect that he has from the other coaches across the league and kind of his reputation as a guy who has been able to do a consistently pretty good job at a place where it's not easy to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, they were picked middle of the pack by most folks and uh, really a team that doesn't um, – doesn't have a lot of guys who can create their own shot, but they have an unbelievable point guard who uh, in Pusica, who's turned out to be uh, much better than even Bill thought. And Bill's a, you know, he's a sandbag, you know, he downplays his team <laughs> a little bit in the summer when you talk to him and he never really raves about any of the incoming guys, but we talked at length about Vasa and, and he, he said, you know, it was just a guy who could kind of manage the game. You know, he had a classic line, like he's not going to win any foot races or jumping <laughs> contests. And he won't, but, uh, boy, watching him play, he uh, he's a pleasure to watch play basketball. Just superb in the pick and roll. And uh, ultimate compliment you can pay to a point guard in the half court is he plays the game at his pace yeah. the entire time. Uh, has nice size for the, for his position. So I think Bill's done a terrific job with them, really got them to buy in on the defensive end in a year where defense was not really a priority in a lot of programs. in the yeah. CAA. Um, I thought they, they were very uh, unified on defense and uh, really aggressive on the perimeter, taking away the three point shot and a couple of times I saw them. So yeah, I think Bill will win that. He should. Um, okay. As far as player of the year, what a race. Uh, yeah. I mean, Chile was the pick in the preseason, if I'm not mistaken. Um, rightfully so, a great, you know, fifth-year senior point guard down at Charleston. He had a great year, probably a first-team all-league year, but yeah. uh, Grant Riller, to me, is the best player in this league. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he just went on a tear the last three weeks, 30-point games left and right. I was down in, uh, in Charleston when they beat William and & Mary, and he scored 37, and um, was pulling up just, you know, a barely across half court, it felt like, and, and knocking down some threes and, and gets to the basket. You know, it's one of the best first steps in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I would have voted for Riller. I know some people voted for Riller. Um, mm-hmm. I do not have an official vote for the record. <laughs> okay. But uh, I would have voted for him. It, it would have been very close. And uh, But I don't know that he'll win. Uh, I think there will be a – segment that will vote for Chile because he's a senior okay. and because he was kind of expected to win and because he had a good year. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does a lot for their team, but I think, uh, you know, in, in a year where Charleston's probably got three of the top six or seven guys in the league, I think it's going to be one, one of their guys who, to, who takes the honor. Okay. Well, what's, what's interesting is, well, you know, a lot of these guys you talked about are um, still coming back next year. You know, right. as JMU fans, we're kind of hanging on to, oh, this team's so young, this team's so young. It's a relatively young league. It is. Um, you know, you've got Kaycox coming back, uh, Riller's coming back, um, Wright Foreman, I believe he's coming yeah. back. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talent last year, and we're certainly optimistic for this young Dukes team, but it could be a much better league next year. Correct. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really talented players um, offensively. If somebody can figure out the defensive game, this, <laughs> it could be a league that could potentially have somebody who makes some noise in the tournament. Uh, and, and typically, yeah, and typically that comes with, uh, you know, older guys kind of figure that out. You know, they mm-hmm. get tired of hearing their coach talk to them about defense. And, <laughs> yeah. and they, you know, they realize that, hey, we were, you know, we could have won a couple more ball games last year if we'd actually guarded somebody, and this is it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, play with a little bit more of a sense of urgency on that end and on the glass. And um, I agree. I think the league was in a little bit of a downward tick as mid-major leagues, you know, are always going to be cyclical. Um, 
but and, and I think next year uh, the league will, will probably be a little stronger and have have a little bit more of a, a beefy resume going into the conference, um, which will allow it to probably you know maybe get up there around the twelve or thirteen slot and Ken Palm as opposed to I think it's sixteen. Sixteen, 16 yeah, yeah, a little bit. But I would tell you what I mean. It is a fun league to watch this year, um, no doubt. You know, in years past, it's if you're going to be one big league, that's fine. It is what it is. You know, it's CAA squarely in that territory for a while. But the game's really entertaining, and we talked about it earlier, how, like, you never know who's going to win. Um, even Charleston looked like they're separating from the pack, and they have that epic two-overtime game against William & Mary on Saturday. I pulled um, off the side of the road. <laughs> I was driving to uh, Elon. It's about a little less than three hours from my house, and uh, I listened to the most of the game on the radio. And uh, when Riller hit that shot at, from half court to send the game into <laughs> overtime, I pulled into yeah. the parking lot somewhere and just <laughs> had to watch it on my phone. Um and uh, what a you know Charlie Willem, who's a great former coach at William and Mary, and does is the color guy on their broadcast. He just kept mm-hmm. saying over and over, "If there's been a better game in college basketball this year, I want to know where it was." Right. And, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, two just talented. I mean, both of those teams just loaded with guys who can put the ball in the basket and um, <laughs> put on a show for sure. Yeah, um, no, it, it it could be. It's shaping up to a good weekend. I hope everybody comes to play. Um, well, maybe not Drexel. I'd be right. They, they can lay an egg on Saturday, but everybody else hope they bring their egg in. Yeah, Brian. Uh, Rob mentioned uh, Devontae Kaycock a little earlier from UNC Wilmington. Sure. You know, is there? You know, he's probably. He, you didn't mention him in the Player of the Year candidates, but it seems like he's got to be right there at the beginning of next year, right? I mean, this guy—he's yeah. leading the nation in rebounding. I think. Right. Again. Again, I mean, he has the he has the opportunity. Well, he led the nation in field goal percentage. Set the set like eighty percent or something last yeah, year. Yeah, he said that record will never be broken. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, the old record had stood since nineteen eighty one and it was like seventy four percent. A kid from Oregon State and uh, to shoot eighty percent. I mean, it was on the. It was just the perfect. He had all those guards around him last year, and you couldn't double team him in you know a style of play where he just dunked and got a lot of putbacks and um, then this year he's shown more of an offensive skill set and continued to be an incredible rebounder. Um, Devontae Kaycock is, is a special talent and, and somebody who reminds me a lot of uh, Kenneth Fareed who, Oh yeah, actually they, Moorhead state came here to Wilmington uh, Fareed's last year. I think he left after his third year, but um, right. He they, and uh, Wilmington actually won the game, which was a kind of a mild upset at the time. But uh, you could just look at Fareed and, and his motor and athleticism and his body. And, uh, you know, I've had coaches tell me many times that rebounding is one of those skills that always seems to translate to right. the, when you move up a level. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. If they see a guy in high school and they're recruiting and he's just, you know, cleaning the boards and they feel like that's what he's going to do at the college level. And, uh, you know, you can carve yourself a role in the NBA just by being a guy who plays hard and, and uh, defends and rebounds. Yeah, it makes and, me. And uh, in the oh. modern NBA, you know. The Paul Millsap uh, type player. Yeah, it, exactly. A guy like Kaycock can um, can use his speed and athleticism to kind of offset the fact that he's not 6'11". So I, I think he will be. I think it'll be a question of if they have anybody who can get him the ball next year because mm-hmm. they're going to they're gonna miss Jordan Talley. Okay. Uh, you know, the excellent point guard who graduates and they had a nice rapport and a, a, a pretty solid two man game working, you know, between them most of the year. So it'll be uh, there's not an obvious replacement on the roster or, or coming in as far as I know at this point. So um, Devonte, though, yeah, he's special. And he, I think he's a first team all league guy and probably maybe the defensive player of the year again. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had, he had a 2020 night. Against JMU, that was it. Could have been worse. He could have <laughs> he, he could have gone for thirty thirty. You know? it, yeah. it was a man amongst boys. Yeah, nope. he really is. And Brian, as you know, my my heart is with JMU, but my gainful employment is with UNCG. And sure. uh, I promised my UNCW friends who work with me that I'd ask you an, another question about UNC Wilmington tonight. Um, we they were just kind of wondering, you know, is it really the loss of Coach Keats that's led to these struggles, or is it, you know, something else we're not seeing? I mean, is that is it just kind of the turno- the natural turnover of switching regimes? Um, yeah, it's a good question. Uh, it's part of it. Yep. Uh, I, I mean, Kevin's a star. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he he's kind of. But but Kevin also walked in his first year. 
to a veteran team of some pretty talented guys who had lost for three years who would have listened to anything he said. You know, it was kind of a perfect storm, and maybe right. the league was down just a tick that year as well, and he was able to coach that team to a share of the regular season. And then once his recruits – you know, you had a bunch of guys sitting out and, you know, some good high school players like Bryce and Kaycock, you know, coming in and um, was able to get it rolling that way. So it was a little different situation. Uh, I think CB inherited a team that, that had some talent. Then he lost a couple of guys, one to injury and one to suspension, who he felt like would have been, if not starters, certainly big rotation guys. Gotcha. And uh, had to kind of throw some freshmen in there who, to be honest, he had signed late. You know, and and you never know what's available kind of that late in the recruiting cycle. They lost their entire recruiting class when Keats um, decided to go to NC State, which was a five-man class. Right. So, you know, CB was dealt a tough hand. I do think that if you're a UNCW fan, you can feel good about the way the team competed and improved as the season went on. And it's obvious that CB learned a lot from Roy Williams about how to coach offense and um, how to get a team in position to attack the offensive glass because uh, they're one of the best offensive rebounding teams, you know, in the league. And a lot of that's Kaycock, but other guys as well, just kind of mm-hmm. the mindset of we're going to create second chances. So, you know, it's like everybody else. It always comes down to recruiting. Um, right. You know, there's no magic wands. You're not going <laughs> to make some make somebody be able to do what they can't. You've got to go out and get players. And uh, – CB, uh, you know, he, he has to go out and, and pick up a couple of guys who are, who are difference makers. I know they have one transfer sitting out that's like six seven who I've heard good things about, and you know, from what he did this year in practice. I think he's from Florida Atlantic. Okay. But, um, you know, anytime you're losing a point guard who, who basically started or played a bunch for four years, I mean, that's a big hole to fill. Uh, you know, they had a tough non-conference schedule too for the, for the team that they had. You know, having sure. to go to Davidson early, played a really good Loyola Chicago team who's going to win the Missouri Valley. Um, had a bunch of road games in a row mm-hmm. uh, there in December. And, uh, you know, that can be tough on a younger group. Uh, so, I, I, you know, he's got four more years and it's going to come down to if he can stack a couple of good recruiting classes together because I think he, he can handle the rest of it. Good. Good to hear. So we, we you, you talked a little bit about um, – sort of CAA glory years versus now. Right. Um, and we're down to, we, you know, went through a few years there with the, from sort of from Mason to VCU, we went through a few years where the CAA was a threat every year to have a multiple, you know, a second or third team in the tournament. Um, where do you think this year's CAA, which is very much a one bid league, wh- where do they stack up now compared to those teams? You know, the biggest difference to me and first of all, uh, VCU, Old Dominion, and to a degree, George Mason all had some inherent advantages. Sure. Uh, you know, yeah. first and foremost. The Richmond Coliseum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But even in, even just as from a program standpoint, just with their recruiting bases, uh, the Tidewater region and Richmond and, mm-hmm. and D.C. or, you know, and being able to get up into New York like Mason did a little bit. And then, you know, they, they were buying home games when everybody else in the CAA was having to go on the road and get bought. Right. And, um, you know, able to attract uh, some some ACC and uh, SEC schools to their arena from time to time mm-hmm. and, and things of that nature and uh, made some really good hires with, with coaches both places. Obviously, Laranega did a great job at Mason for a long time. So you lost a lot when you, when you lose those three. But the biggest difference I see on the court is, you know, they had front courts. They had, right. like, right. dudes. Yeah. Like, Old Dominion had dudes that could match up with anybody – in any conference and well, Baysmore. Kind of. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 uh, you know, Mason always had three or four post players and, right. um, George you know, Evans they, and guys. Yeah. Yeah. 25 yeah. year old seniors. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and VCU had Larry Sanders. who was an NBA mm-hmm. draft pick. Right. And, um, you know, they had a little different style where they weren't as reliant on interior with their press, but, um, you know, you go up there and play them in their building. It was like you were playing five on seven. Right. I'm not talking about the officials. I'm just talking about how many people that felt like yeah. they were on the court pressing right. you, Briante Weber, in your back pocket. And uh, so you lost a lot. You know, you lost three good programs. And I think that's really, you know, when you have that type of size, you've got a chance. When you've got a Jamie Skeen, you've got a chance when you go against Florida State mm-hmm. or Purdue 
or Kansas in the NCAA tournament. And, uh, you know, while there are a couple of good post players, Kaycock, who we mentioned, Nathan Knight, William and Mary, some other guys that, that are younger and, and maybe have an opportunity to develop. I just, you know, the game has changed where everybody's playing small and, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've always had great guards in this league, but it's easier now for those guys to get to the basket. Like Riller, I mean, he gets in there and he finishes. Like, you right. know, I think he's shooting 72% on shots at the rim, which is – I don't even know if Marvin Bagley is shooting no, 72% on shots at yeah. the – you know, right. um, because once you beat your man, it's kind of like there's no second line of defense on a lot of teams. So, to me, just stylistically, I think that's why – you know, and the rules have changed too. We have yep. to, you know, it's a different, you can't, uh, you know, somebody used to say about <laughs> Bruiser Flint, uh, they're fouling you on every play and you can't call them all. Um, <laughs> oh. and, and, you know, it's just the different, you know, Blaine Taylor, what you weren't walking down Norfolk with 60 points nope. um, or, or any rebounds, you know, right, yeah, right. <laughs> and, uh, it was just a different, a different era. Um, and, you know, really looking back like at that 2000, 11 year, I mean, you know, Mason wins a game, beats Villanova. Yep. Uh, you know, ODU loses to Butler at the buzzer. buzzer. And of course, VCU, you know, wins, goes to the final four. four. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, that, it, it was really, it was not that long ago, but it does seem like a long time now. Well, one thing I think you got drawn into this last week, and we saw some stuff going on Twitter. People calling for Tony Shaver's job. I mean, it's not my I school, mean. but that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I mean, I, I mean, what that guy has done with that program, which, you know, terrific school, great history. It's certainly, you know, we, we joke with our really married friends about, like, they say it's so hard to recruit there because it's, it's such a great school. We're like, well, I, I don't really get that. You know, it's like you, you've got this better degree to offer. Can right. you use that to your advantage? Right. But you can just, you can recruit nationally. You're offering a William, every, you know, a William yeah. Mary degree. It, it's, yeah. pretty right. good, yeah. it's pretty good exchange there. Yeah. Um, but the school does not have any resources for hoops. No. Um, and <laughs> I mean, for years, that was just an absolute dread of the program. That guy has built it into a really respectable program that seems to be at least in the mix every year. Um, I don't usually get involved with that stuff, but that struck me as one of the stupidest arguments ever that, that these people are trying to make. You're absolutely um, right. Yeah, I don't know. Someone making that comment is just uh, <laughs> not aware of what uh, the landscape. They have no state money, I believe, the, the way their athletics department is set up. They, they receive zero state funding. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, Tony, you know, even back in the in the so-called heyday, you know, in the salad days of the CAA, he'd pull a couple of upsets and, and, and get yeah. to the finals, you know, yeah. Yeah. they would just run yeah. out of steam and, or be overmatched. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, once they reach that point, just from a talent and perspective and, and, and just not have the stamina to pull it off. But uh, what he's been able to do consistently over the last five years, they've found their niche uh, with, with skilled guys and versatile guys, you know, a lot of guys around six, five, six, 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 seven, that can handle the ball and pass and shoot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they, they always have a fair amount of athleticism, too. Um, and, uh, you know, defense has been a problem, but he's done a terrific job. I think this is the fifth straight year they've won at least 10 games in the yep. league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, has a couple of 20 win overall seasons in there and been one of the, like, you know, one of the better offensive teams in the league, in, in the nation, year yep. in and year out. Yep. And, um, yeah, he's done a terrific job. I, I would imagine Tony Shaver will be the head coach at William & Mary until he doesn't want to be oh, he, he deserves to be. Yeah. <laughs> and that's one of those things. I mean, they've just been snake bit in a couple of CA tournaments. You know, the, the Marcus <sighs> Thornton years. No it's, doubt. Yeah. Uh, it's tough. It's tough to see another fan base. Good fans. You know, they good are. knowledgeable fans that support their team. They travel pretty well to the tournament. They've had some heartbreaking losses in the tournament. And, you know, a couple shots go a different way. You're looking at him as a guy who's been to two or three tournaments. That's right. That's right, yeah. and they're carrying the weight of all those years on their shoulders. Oh, Trust are me, they the have... players? You know, I went up there and did a feature on Nathan Knight and hung out for went to a couple of games and mm-hmm. spent some time. And you know, they talk about it. You know, yeah. they talk about it. They're aware of and and they know what it would mean. Uh, I mean, they never have to buy another meal or drink in Williamsburg again. <laughs> no, if they, yeah. were, if they were the guys who, you know, it's like last year's picture. Northwestern team. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. they'd be plastered all over uh, the, you know, the city as they should be. And, yeah, uh, the tradition there is so strong, and um, you know, just the family atmosphere there around the university that uh, I think. You know, they, they want it, and uh, maybe some, some of their teams may have wanted it a little bit too much. Uh, right. they've, they've certainly knocked on the door and 
Uh, I don't know who – only the team, the fans of the team playing against them uh, would be pulling against them, you know, in a uh, championship game situation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, if your team's not in it, you gotta you got to pull for them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Bri- Brian, what about this year's tourney? So, uh, you know, Rob and I think it, it seems to be, as we've talked about tonight a little bit, truly wide open. I mean, you mentioned that, you know, we all know that Charleston has – kind of rounded into the form we thought at the beginning of the season and separated themselves a little bit. Uh, Northeastern has joined them at the top, but is not, you know, they don't jump out at you as a team that is dominant. Um, we've seen JMU this year take Charleston right to the wire twice. Um, you know, is, it, is the tournament next weekend really as wide open as it, as it seems? I think so. Yeah. Um, you know, if you historically the the front runners, the favorites, you know, the top two or three seeds mm-hmm. have won the championship in this mm-hmm. conference. You know, I mean, yeah. the last two years, Wilmington, uh, you know, either shared or out won the regular season outright, and then handled business in the tournament. And mm-hmm. uh, we've certainly seen that uh, over, especially over the last decade or so. But the balance, I think, um, you know, it was funny. A CAA assistant texted me last week, and he said nobody wants to play JMU Drexel or UNCW right. in that, in that quarterfinal round. Yeah. Cause you get yeah. Kaycock, Isabel, and then the whole crew <laughs> yeah. of JMU freshmen. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's probably who you're going to have to play. Right. <laughs> yeah. One of the yeah, JMU or Drexel playing Charleston in the second game, in yeah. the second game. Yeah. So. Yeah. You covered the bases there, but it's true because um, all of the offensive talent that, you know, we have in the league mm-hmm. makes, makes teams dangerous and you just never know, uh, you know, you may be the favorite, but you may have that cold shooting night or, or, uh, you know, if Nathan Knight from William and Mary gets in foul trouble early, that changes the, you know, the entire dynamic of their basketball team. And, um, you know, there's just so many variables in a one game scenario. And, and as we've seen, I mean, JMU, like I haven't looked it up, but it seems like all of their games, except maybe two or three, are decided by like one possession or two possessions or oh, yeah. overtime. Yeah. Or, you know, and they certainly were on the, the short end of a fair share of those. But to their credit, they, they've they kind of found a way to, to grind some of those out down the stretch as well. Yeah. You got a young coach and uh, four freshmen playing most of the minutes. So that's kind of right. what happens at the end of the game. But they have definitely, they seem to have figured it out a little bit down the stretch. And I, I don't know. I mean, with Matt Lewis at point guard, they have they have really found something. He's terrific. Season. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he he has a chance to really, really have a special career um, with the opportunity that that he got this year, which was probably even more than than Lou might have thought he mm-hmm. would. You know, at the beginning of the season, but with some injuries and such, uh, yeah, he he was very impressive. The the couple times I saw him in person, um, yeah, I, this I, was, I, this I was, like was, a lot of their younger pieces. To be honest with you, Banks you know. is really running form lately, and mm-hmm. and. You know, um, Zach Jacobs is playing with more confidence. You know, he's more the role player at this stage, but he's playing some good defense, rebounding, doing some little things. So I'm excited, but, you know, it, it's a it's a young league. There's no guarantees. I mean, Jamie has had talented underclassmen <laughs> before who, you know, it doesn't work out or transfer. So kind of waiting um, for the other shoe to drop at all times as a JMU fan. But I think they can certainly beat Drexel on Saturday. And then I'll give him a puncher's chance against Charleston. I'd give Drexel a chance, too. Sure, yeah. and, and Charleston's got its own pressure. Uh, they're playing as the favorite. They're At home, close to home, which yep. seems yeah. like a great thing, but isn't always necessarily. They've kind of had the target on their back all year, and uh, I mean, you're talking about a program that's like in the top ten in Division One in winning percentage in Charleston. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like mm-hmm. since they went D one, they've won well over seventy percent of their games. And they haven't been in the NCAA tournament since 1999. So God, it doesn't seem. It seems like they. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that at all. There's some heat there. And, yeah, you know, they were in the Southern Conference all those years when Davidson, you know, obviously had yep. it rolling, and they were probably the second best team. But uh, that wasn't good enough to get them to the tournament. And mm-hmm. um, you're right. I mean, as, as consistently good as they've been, other than the couple of years, you know, right when kind of Earl took over there, they dipped a little. But mm-hmm. for the most part, they've just racked up the 20 win seasons and haven't been able to to reach the ultimate goal there. And this is a, you know, they, they will never have a much better opportunity than they have with a, such a talented veteran team and a really good coach and playing yeah. 10 miles from their campus. I mean, it's yeah, a it's nice a, little scenario. It's set up for, for them, them. for yeah. sure. So who's your pick? 
you know, I, I was thinking the Cougars were going to definitely win it until this last weekend. And I think Northeastern, I mean, I know they're the two <laughs> chalk, but I think Northeastern, uh, because of the way they defend and because of their point guard, mm-hmm. um, the only thing that scares me about the Huskies is they don't have if, – if the point guard, if you see us having kind of a rough night, they don't really have other guys um, who can go create for themselves and kind of feed off of him. Uh, but I, I just think their style is going to translate well to tournament basketball where it's a little bit more half-court, possession-oriented. And, um, you know, I, I think there will be some early carnage in the tournament and some upsets, but mm-hmm. I think ultimately we'll get a one-two title game. That's interesting. It's funny after um, – if, if Northeastern ends up playing Charleston in North Charleston, our, our buddy Brodsky up there is uh, – he thought Southern bias was a problem at the Richmond Coliseum. <laughs> I, I mean, they're going to – you know, it's funny. The 2013 JMU team yeah, who won the, the worst sure. ever CAA tournament, I think, um, <laughs> they were the beneficiary of a couple teams. George Mason had left or was leaving the league and was right. therefore ineligible. And then Towson, Towson had and, and, an a, Towson and Wilmington, I think, had yeah. APR. They were suspended yeah. for APR, right? There was five like teams in the tournament that year. Right. And JMU somehow ends up in the last championship game at the Richmond Coliseum, and that turns into a just a complete home game for JMU against a really good Northeastern team. And, they were. Uh, I really like that JMU team. And it's funny because the, the personnel and kind of the way Northeastern plays uh, reminds me a little bit. Of, of that JMU squad because they've got – they played most of the game the other night with five guys out there who are all about 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, <laughs> right. you know. And so you can't screen them. They mm-hmm. just switch everything right. and, and very interchangeable. And, uh, you know, if you can get the ball in the post. But, again, not there aren't many teams that just have that reliable post scorer. So mm-hmm. uh, you can kind of offset that with perimeter defense. So um, very good point guard, uh, Devon Moore. Yeah, point guard on that JMU team is one of my favorite CAA players. Uh, nice. Always enjoyed his ability to – he just always seemed to make the right play. Yep. At the end of the game and, uh, you know, just a, a savvy, savvy Duke. Yeah. Well, and that was your when A.J. Davis finally put it together for like the last three weeks of that season. What a talented and, guy and, that and was just, he was. I mean, yeah. he just took over. Man, it, it was fun to watch, but it also was a little bit frustrating. Like, where was this for the previous right. year and a half? You know, um, no, that guy. That that was a fun team, and that's what that was when Nation and Cook were freshmen. Yeah, right? before we lost, yeah. yeah, Charles Cook went to Dayton and probably playing pro somewhere. And Nation had his own struggles and transferred out of the program. And Taylor Bassick transferred out. Yeah, it's a it's a rough rough couple years there last kind year. of the yeah, beginning of the end for my guy matt brady yeah uh, it sure was yeah it was it when, was you, know, you lose because they did have a, a nice nucleus there it mm-hmm. seemed like and the program was in good shape and that lame duck um, recruiting class was kind of a tough one too coming out of that so yeah yeah, yeah. it's tough to overcome those uh you can't you know it's uh well, i heard rick Neuheisel. he was talking about football but it applies <laughs> to basketball as well even more so because the classes are so much smaller he said it's not the guys that you miss on in recruiting it's the guys who you take who uh, aren't good enough yep yeah <laughs> and then you're stuck with them you know for a couple three years and yep. um waiting for them to to develop and you know they never do and then Next thing you know, you're you're in the unemployment. Line. You're looking for a job with yeah. the other coaches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mickey said, "Stars get you fired." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, Brian, we know people can find you at BG Mull on Twitter. Um, yes. Anywhere else they can find you, or anybody else you want to plug or shout out here? I will be doing some work. Uh, if anybody is a subscriber to the Fieldhouse, Seth Davis's venture that's part of the Athletic family, uh, focusing on college basketball. Have some assignments. I'm doing a three uh, championships in 72 hours thing. The Big South, the Southern Conference, and the CAA. Kind of trying to paint a picture of life in a one bid league where it all comes down to one game, regardless of all of the 30 previous games that you played. And right. then I will be helping them out uh, with NCAA tournament coverage in Charlotte. Uh, the first weekend of the tournament, the first two rounds are down there. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but anything. Uh, you know, I'm pretty active on Twitter. Yep. Uh, typically, we'll post any comments there and maybe an occasional music suggestion. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yes. 
It's the best CAA follow you can you can have, folks. It's the uh, at BG Mole on Twitter. So he will keep you up to date. And on that three conference run, I guess we're rooting for the Asheville Bulldogs, right? So you can stay stay in Asheville for a couple of local. We yeah. need the Asheville Bulldogs to win, yeah, in the semis and right. then uh, host. Uh, I've got a good buddy that lives up there, and it's actually his birthday weekend. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it'll be a business trip, but uh, a couple places time. get good beers around there. When you yeah. get one or two spots. <laughs> yep. Get yeah, that. So we would like to see uh, just to ease, uh, ease a few miles of driving. I've put enough on my. Yeah, on my trailblazer. So if you can get uh, UNC Asheville in Asheville, UNCG Spartans also in Asheville in the SoCon. There you go. And yep. either the Dukes or the Seahawks making a run in the CAA, <laughs> you'll be happy. Yeah. If I do that, I'm going straight to Vegas. That's right. That's yeah. right. <laughs> After I leave North Charleston. Yep. So every week we do a overtime or off-topic segment. I, Rob and I were talking today. I can't remember if we've done OT with one of our guests in the past, but uh, having Brian on was a great chance. We thought we would uh, stick with the CAA theme here and do our overtime tonight about some all-time great sort of CAA memories, uh, stories, players, controversies, whatever we each wanted to talk about a little bit. Um, Brian, we were wondering, did, did you have one you wanted to start with? Well, uh, you know, I met Jerry Beach like we all did online, you know, on Twitter because <laughs> neither one of us had kids at that point and you're <laughs> up all, all night and then you know later you're up all night for other reasons once you have kids yeah, but right. uh um he had invited me to, to go to dinner with them after the game uh, when wilmington was playing hofstra it was charles jenkins senior year oh, 2011 what a great player play. another of my favorite CAA yeah. players and at one point in the first half of that game charles jenkins pulled off the impossible he had an eight point play <laughs> yeah. eight point play he made a yeah he made a three got fouled a benny moss got a technical i mean it was uh it was just a comedy of errors <laughs> for uncw and uh hofstra you know goes on to win the game by a wide margin at least 30 <laughs> points and so uh jerry uh takes me to local diner there on long island and we're having dinner after the game and we're just kind of chatting about uh you know what what in the world's it going to take for uncw to get back on track and i'm you know feeling like yeah i don't know i don't think it's going to happen not with this yeah. regime and uh he may have lost the team certainly losses like this in the middle of the year don't help uh so fast forward i fly home the next day i get home that afternoon and uh my wife and i are going to have dinner with some friends about 15 minutes out of town and um we're sitting there you know just talking in the kitchen or whatever and my phone starts blowing up and a couple of sources are texting me and basically telling me that when the team got back earlier that afternoon that the athletic director had called benny moss into her office and let him go <laughs> and it's like seven o'clock you know this is gonna be my one night off in college basketball season and i leave my wife at my friend's and race home and, you know, calling sources and trying to confirm things all the way home and, uh, and work on the story and, and, and I'm able to break it like right before deadline. And, you know, of course, Jerry and I laugh about it later because we sat there and talked for an hour and, uh, you know, in my infinite wisdom, I had no idea that the, the end was like imminent, you know, like, like within 24 hours. So, no, you don't uh, need to see that in the mid-major league. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no precedent for that. He wasn't, breaking any rules and uh, Benny's a nice man by all accounts and uh, you know just wasn't a very good head basketball coach but um, <laughs> that uh, that was just a, an example of how you just never know don't uh, you know always be prepared I guess and things can change quickly in a short period of time uh, that eight point play I mean I don't know that anybody will ever ever top that <laughs> right. <you know>? yeah <laughs> Jenkins was something else I mean that guy he, he killed JMU it was not fun to watch him um, played against the Dukes, but he was a he was a talented, talented guy. Really, he, ended was. Up with, he was with Golden State for a while, wasn't he? He was, yeah, yeah, yeah. He played a little bit. I think he's overseas now. And you know, um, kind of thinking back before this tonight, it was like you know, look at all the guards. Like you know, Maynard, you know, got drafted yeah. until he had yeah. a knee injury. You know, um, Jose Juan Barea at Northeastern, yep. obviously, great career. Baysmore, who I don't, I think is probably the most surprising. I mean, he was certainly a very good college player, but I don't think. I didn't anybody... think he'd have a, a run like this in the league. Yeah, 
Snap right in the stick and be a very yeah. good pro as he has and very yeah. well compensated pro. Oh yeah. Uh, um, so the talent was just at a level, you know, there for a point where, um, and I think, you know, a lot, and talking to coaches like that 06 final four run by Mason really opened a lot of doors that were probably shut before then. And it kind of paid off in that next wave there in the, uh, you know, early 2010 or 11. Mm-hmm. Rob, what about you? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's it, far fewer happy memories from the JMU fan. <laughs> That's right. No, I'm going to try to stay off the JMU beat. For the, yeah. I got one. Well, yeah. well I mean, yeah. I, I could go way back to my freshman year with Kaluka uh, shot instead of the tournament, but yeah. I don't think that was even televised. <laughs> I, think, I, think I, I remember staying up on Sports Center, you know, trying to catch the highlights for that. Um, you weren't watching it on your phone? No, not quite. <laughs> I was at my aunt and uncle's. Your rotary, your rotary dial phone didn't have a good screen. <laughs> no. Right. no, but I was. Uh, it was spring break, and I was up in Stratton, Vermont, at my aunt and uncle's house. And the only thing they had in there for entertainment was an eight track with a Kiss eight track. <laughs> so it was Kiss and the Doobie Brothers and That's a awesome. case of Bats Blue. That was all we had for the week. So, and then my dad called. He's like, "Oh my gosh, they won!" So we're like trying to find a TV, go watch it on Sports Center. Oh, was not able to watch. Um, but otherwise, like I, I know the guy was ultimately probably disappointing in his career. But talk about in the heyday of of the CAA with those VCU teams, Denzel Bowles um, on one side of the court was a really fun player to watch. Yes. Um, he, he didn't really do much on that other side of the court. But um, I believe JMU knocked off VCU in the regular season finale that year. The yes, VCU went, went to the thing. I mean, those were some battles with him and Sanders. Um, he was a fantastic offensive player. I mean, it, when he wanted to, he was like money in the bank in the low post. Um, no question. Was, was Could never really get him to buy in uh, defensively. But – I, I loved watching him. He's, he's probably one of my favorite players for the past, I don't know, 10 years for JMU. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, that's, that's I was going to start with the Denzel Bowles team as well. Um, a, a less happy memory for JMU. But the Washington Post story from Stephen Goff, one of our favorite, um, from January 17th, 2010, one of our favorite soccer writers, actually says, the headline reads, George Mason Patriots hold off James Madison with the help of a hot dog. <laughs> oh, that, that was the worst. <laughs> so, oh, this boy. is the Dukes had sliced a 15 point deficit to four with five minutes, 13 seconds remaining when Bulls went to the free throw line. While releasing the first attempt, a fan hurled the wiener and bun from the upper level of the JMU Convocation Center. As the shot missed, the snack broke into several pieces about 15 feet from where the players were standing along the lane. Fans pointed to the perpetrator, a purple-clad student who was escorted away. The, ofi- the officiating crew considered allowing Bowles to retake the shot, but because a JMU supporter was at fault, Bowles, Bowles misstood and a technical foul was assessed on the home team, giving George Mason two free throws and the win. <laughs> That was yeah. uh yeah. We tried that, to that throw was a, hot a curse. Dog. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, we lost because of a hot dog, right? Yeah. yeah. You think Larinaga paid somebody to dress up in the JMU? Oh, I don't yeah. Know. We we actually went to Brian's Grill in Fairfax one time at a JMU game on the road at Mason and tried to send Larinaga hot dogs like he was there after the game. And he, yeah, he didn't get the he didn't take the joke very well. He didn't get it. But, no, 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 but. <laughs> Yeah, that I mean, you lost because of a hot dog. Come on, guys. That, that was kind of the start of the curse too, because that was that was when yeah. the program after Bowles graduated, the program just was snake bit with injuries. I mean, remember, I think it was like two years later that Brady tore yeah. tore his Achilles because he yeah. had to suit up in practice yeah. to play. I mean, that the Pillow Fight Friday matchup against UNCW <laughs> that one year when, when Brady was on crutches might have been the single worst basketball game I've ever seen. <laughs> I was there. I was too. It was it was horrific. Yeah. I, I drove down. It set with the my game son. back. My son was like three years old. I was like, "Oh, we'll go to a game." We were two of maybe seventeen fans in the stadium. It was just awful. Oh, it used awful. to be so cold in there. Like my first memories of that CA tournament, like oh seven and show eight. Like it's just it was so cold. And, Richmond uh, Renegades. You had the ice underneath. Yeah, the mm-hmm. ice and the noon game, and they would break out like brand new basketballs, which anybody who's ever played basketball hates. Is yeah. brand new basketball. And the rims were set on like the highest tension. And it was just such a breakfast. Oh, it was <laughs> terrible. This is not entertaining for anybody. No, it was awful. <laughs> Empty arenas un- until like VCU, ODU, and Mason played too. So. Oh, Brian, you got any other ones for us? Oh, man. Um, 
you know, nothing that really, really stands out. Uh, Buzz Peterson kicked the, uh, after about the 12th turnover in the first half <laughs> one year at VCU, he, uh, he kicked the board there at press row and I think he got a bill. Uh, I think he busted out some lights. Um, and Buzz wasn't really prone, um, to that. Although he did later get thrown out of a game, uh, about eight minutes in, he and Benny Moss both accomplished that on their home court <laughs> in Not conference easy to games. Do. And, you know, back then the rule was such that uh, if you got suspended as a player or a coach, you had to miss the following game if you got right. ejected. Excuse me. Right. They've since changed that rule. But, yeah, Benny got tossed. Brian Kersey threw, threw Benny like five minutes into a game with VCU, and Anthony Grant was still the coach there. Uh, packed Trask, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, – he didn't like a call. Um, and that was that. I was like, man, that's tough. Where do you, I was like, where did, where'd you watch the rest of the game? He's like, in my office. Like, no. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Rob, you got anything else there? No, no, I'm just, I'm waiting for the, waiting for the light at the end of the tunnel for Jamie to turn this around. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of, I mean, the CAA has had its ups and downs on the uh, downside. I think about that Wilmington loss to the Drew Nicholas. Shot. Oh yeah, yeah, for Maryland. Yeah. Uh, it's really tough, tough way to go in the NCAA tournament. That was um, a heck of a team. And then uh, you know, a few years later, uh, they had a, a George Washington team that had only lost one game all year, yep. uh, down by sixteen or seventeen. You yep. know, in the second half, and ended up squandering that one in overtime, and would have played Duke in the second round in Greensboro, which would have been a huge deal. Oh yeah, you know, for for them and. Uh, um, yeah, there's been a lot of close calls. I mean, we talked about the old Dominion game yep. earlier, and uh, you know, just the it, it would uh, yeah that Wilmington game stung. I was watching that one in the newsroom at the Star News, <laughs> and uh, of course, our beat writer at the time was out there, and we we're waiting for his story to edit it and get it in the paper for the next day. And it's a game in Boise or somewhere. That game was in Nashville. Nashville, okay, yeah. Yeah, that game was in Nashville, and uh, one of UNCW's better players, Tim Burnett, a starter, failed a drug test like a few days before the game, and um, we don't know anything about that. Did not play, (laughs) and uh, yeah, they still John Goldsberry made eight threes, and so I guess he kind of offset his absence. But yeah, that was still the Jerry Wainwright teams, right? Uh, That was was Brad. Oh, that was Brad. Brad's first first year. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Jerry had gone Blizzard? on to Richmond. Um, yeah, that was Brett's senior year, yeah. and um, I remember that. Goldsberry was a freshman, and they also had Craig Callahan, the big guy who could kind of step out and make some shots. I mean, it was a yeah, pretty pretty solid. They had it rolling there for a while, and then kind of went away from what worked. But uh, they have a lot going for them here as far as building it. Uh, just I mean, like they still drew over four thousand this year, even though they struggled a little. So. Yeah, they got a good – I mean, they really have a monopoly on the market down there. I mean, they are yeah, the one no game in town for sure down there. Yep, a lot of basketball people that uh, maybe from the Triangle yep. who've kind of adopted UNCW because yep. they live here, um, have retired here or, or moved here and just love basketball. And um, So, yeah, they do have – they have a lot, lot going for them that way and certainly um, – I think that's why Jimmy Bass was intent on hiring an up-tempo coach because he, he realized that even if we're going to lose, if we can put 80 or 90 on the board, people come out and watch the show. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's yep. true. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Brian. It's been a real pleasure for us. Um, Loved it. We yeah, can't thanks. thank you enough. And good luck to the Seahawks this week uh, as they get set for the a, a trip to North Charleston. Yeah, so. yeah, short drive. Yeah. And good luck to you with the three tournaments one weekend. That that should be a lot of fun, but that's going to be pretty exhausting as well. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, looking forward to it, trying to uh, trying to get some rest this week and get prepared. And, uh, yeah, thanks again for, for having me on. Appreciate everything y'all do. Thanks. Oh, no, we, thanks for being on. Yeah. Really, really had fun. Yep. Rob, you want to take us out? Uh, no, just thanks again to Pale Fire Brewing. Yep. And um, we'll hit you up next week, everybody, with the new app that hopefully we will figure out. But, uh <laughs> No, appreciate listening. Really looking forward to the tournament. Hope everybody has fun. Folks going to Charleston, be safe. Um, eat some good food. Wish I could be there, but I will be coaching the season finale for my eight and under team. Um, nice. Look, yeah, well, we, we've hit a rough patch. <laughs> it happens. Yeah, yeah. We had peaked with a 19, 19 to 14 win. Things are going well. And then 
since then we lost uh, five to one and, <laughs> and nine to two. So, I don't know. I, I got to get the offense back in track at practice tomorrow. <laughs> Come on, James. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's been rough. Your son <laughs> could be scarred by that uh, WJMU yeah. game. Yeah, exactly. It, it might happen. So I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out and hopefully close maybe at least double digits this weekend. Yep. Thank you guys. We'll have a good week and we will talk to you next week. Go Dukes. Bye.